Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Bill and I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past and present and to acknowledge that this, is, this land was stolen and that sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. Uh, this week, I'd like to welcome Steve to the show. Hi, Steve. Bill, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, Steve's a compulsive gambler and he's recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Steve, we usually start talking uh, about growing up and the things that influenced you. So, do you want to give us a bit of an insight into your early life? Sure, yeah. Look, um my life was, uh, was was fine. I uh, grew up in a loving loving household, um, raised by my mum. Uh, my parents divorced when I was quite young, um, and I just lived the normal young man's life. Just enjoyed going to school and playing sport. Uh, loved my footy and cricket and all those other sorts of things. And um, yeah, I think it was just a normal normal sort of you know, childhood, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly with my mum being the, the influence in my life, that was that was always great for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, so do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I've got an uh, older brother and, um, yeah, just an older brother who lived with me. And then a bit later on in life, I discovered that I had two half-brothers, <laughs> which right. I wasn't uh, aware of until I was sort of around eight or nine years old. My, my father had remarried and uh, had a couple of boys, yes. Yeah, so, right, okay. So my family sort of just expanded really quickly. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was your life, early life like? You know, we life at school and things like that yeah look life at school was fine i mean i lived uh you know my home was close to school which was good and i had you know back in those back in that time it was you know late 70s and 80s and i had pretty much a lot of freedoms um which i could just yeah spend a lot of time as long as i was home by dinner at six o'clock and mum would be yelling at the window come inside you know it was that sort of life and um it, w- it was good yeah i enjoyed my childhood and as i said i got involved in sports very young from about that nine or ten year old sort of age so a lot of team sports and things like that i enjoyed so yeah um, you know school was, was great and um i, I wasn't a, a huge fan of high school but um it was it was something that i completed and um you know but up until uh, you know and uh, you know about, about midway through I was about 15 years old um that's when influences started to sort of change in my life and discovering the joys of alcohol and other things. Yeah. And I guess that's where uh, my journey began in, that, yeah. in the life of uh, being on the punt. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So talking about school then, were you mm. sort of an, an anxious kid or were you confident? Uh, look, I was oh, Look, I was probably quieter initially. Yeah, yeah. The confidence wasn't um, huge for me in that, in, in that younger stage of my life. So I had... You know, Obviously, being part of a you know, social group was important to me, and being accepted was obviously important. But um, you know, again, being in that sporting sort of life and being in teams and things like that, making friends wasn't terribly hard. Yeah. In that okay. regard. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was just part of being a normal, normal kid growing up. I think. Yeah. Really yeah. is the way I sort of tend to look at it. But um, 
yeah, certainly without a you know, without a fatherly influence, I suppose, my dad not being around, that probably probably shaped me who I am today as well, as much as being a positive or a negative. But yeah, yeah. that's the way I sort of tend to look at it. Yeah. yeah. So we was your family affluent? Did did you have what you needed? Um, no, we certainly weren't affluent, but we certainly had what we needed. Um, you know, my, my mum, uh, she she looked after us. She she worked very very hard to look after myself, and my brother, and mm. yeah, of course, you know, we would all want to have more <laughs> during yeah. during your childhood. But I think just having that um, the stability at home, and um, you know, mum's just it'd be my rock basically and during my whole childhood and um i'm very independent sort of sort of uh, person so you know it wasn't long before i did uh, leave home sort of my later later teen years and mum fully acknowledged that she said oh you know you just wanted to get out of home and go and experience life and that's pretty much what i what i did yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah, is really good but yeah. upbringing was was fine yeah, yeah. yeah so what about friendships then did you have a lot of close friends yeah, a lot of close friends. Yeah, yeah. just just through the, the the school friends, obviously, and then through the sporting clubs I played football at, and so forth. And yeah. and those friends are still my friends today. Right. Which is which is great, you yeah. know. And they they've been yeah, just just who you who you become mates with in your early life, and you have got commonality there, shared interests, and all that sort of thing. And that's where I'm pretty lucky that the you know a lot of those uh, close friends are still my close friends today, yeah. which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So were you academic as a kid? Uh, not overly, no. It wasn't really a, a thing that I gravitated to academically. <laughs> I was, uh, I guess, I was more the working style. I've always wanted to get into the workforce as quick as I could. Yeah. You know, I wanted to go out and earn and make my own dollars and be my own sort of self-made person. Yeah. Um, I did sort of complete high school. I did take a, a year off and go back. So I actually went back to school for a year and got my VCE, which was good. Yeah. But in terms of um you know, university aspirations. I didn't really have that drive to go and further my studies in that regard, which, you know, looking back, probably could have been a, a good thing, but yeah. um, it hasn't held me back to where I am sort of today, yeah, yeah which is yeah. good. Yeah. So did you have any alcohol, drugs, gambling in your broader family or uh, grandparents? Uh, no, not I'm aware of. I mean, alcohol certainly I think is just par for, of course, for many, many families, I guess, society, but certainly yeah. Yeah, for society, but uh, certainly not in our household. Um, I wasn't exposed to any excessive behaviours that would have led me to where, where I might have been, but um, not, not that I was aware of. Um, and, and certainly friends, influences, I guess that's just, again, just teenage life and yeah. experiencing life and getting to those moments where you make decisions and yeah. how do you... Stick to that or not, you know. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, I, I think that, um, yeah, as I said, my, my home life was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So did you do any underage drinking? Yeah, yeah, I, I started drinking probably around about 15 when I first had my first first beer. And, uh, yes, has continued. Right, <laughs> since yeah. Then. Yes, of course. Yeah. So did that, did that influence your lifestyle? Look, it ha- it has. I mean, it's it's certainly as a as a social aspect. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, certainly when you are with your friends and and, and people that I, I do uh, circulate with are all that of that nature. And I guess that's just uh, you know again what you consider to be a, a normal part of your lifestyle. Nothing um, you know too excessive, I guess. But what is excessive? You know, yeah. it depends on how you, uh, you know, how you handle those things. So for me, yeah, look, I'm more of a social drinker on a weekend. There are bigger weekends and there are lighter ones. But yeah. um, you know, in in terms of that. That's just been part of my life since that that time. Yeah, yeah I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess leaving leaving school relatively early mm. uh, and going to work. So what sort of work did you get into at that point? Oh, there was everything. Yeah, I just I just jumped into it. I was lucky enough to, to work with one of my mates um, on their on their on their house for a couple of years as a labourer, okay, yeah. and then uh, jumped into. 
well, I was uh, into restaurants and um, I was even a used car salesman there for a couple of weeks, which was interesting. But um, I just wanted to apply myself and try and find something that I really enjoyed doing. And that um, but starting that young age gave me that really um, good grounding, just what yeah. it, to be what it's like in a working life. And you know, basically yeah. from 17 sort of onwards, I've been yeah. in full-time sort of work. Yeah, yeah, from right. that age. So when were you exposed to gambling? Um Around that, that age, around that 15 or so, yeah. um, with, with mates that sort of had, um, you know, looked at it from a, you know, well, this is this looks exciting. Have you tried this? Or have you, had a, have you thought about this? And I hadn't up until that time. And like many stories out there, I suppose, the, the first bet that I placed was a winner. Yeah. And... Felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. Yeah. The uh, the rush was, was, was enormous. The you know, adrenaline rush from having... You know, have this skill, I suppose, if you like, of picking a winner. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's where it sort of started around yeah. the time. So being 15, then you're obviously underage. So how did you do the the gambling underage? Well, back then um, there wasn't the online influence. There wasn't there wasn't an iPhone. It wasn't apps. There was just yep. the TAB. Yeah, right. And um, back then um, there wasn't really much policing around. <laughs> you know. Kids in there, well, in my age, certainly, you know, we'd go to the TAB and we just put bets on and nothing yeah. was ever said. We never, we never raised the issue. And, no. you know, I remember going in school uniform. Yeah. And still allowed to put a put a bet on. So, again, there's that. Yeah, responsible gambling. Yeah. yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, you should have been, you know, again, quizzed on your age and, and told yeah. to, to leave. But, you know, that's what happened. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's where uh, it all sort of started, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so, are you a, a form guide? punter or are you a not a form guide punter? oh well when I, yeah when i was i was i was a form guide punter initially and yeah. then as uh time goes on you realize that that doesn't really mean much <laughs> i suppose because luck is just luck and if you uh think you know how to uh to, to beat the system and, and you know and analyze win. form and win yep. then you're just you're kidding yourself you know i think yeah. at the end of the day you could just as easily pick a number and have as much success yeah, yeah, that's yeah. um, <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, 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 that's right, exactly. Right. Well, that's that's it, yeah, and that's yeah. what it was for me, yeah. Um, it just evolved, yeah. 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 So, gambling with friends, so what was that like? Um, that was pretty constant. Um, I gravitated to friends who were in gambling or involved in, in who liked gambling. Um, there wasn't many friends who didn't gamble that I would associate with much in a social aspect. Um, there would be those times that would be there, but um. Anyone that um, shared my same experiences where my social life was, you know, um, gravitating towards. Mm. Yeah, yep. quite, quite, you know, consistently. Yeah. So did you gamble longer than your friends at a time, each time? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, initially, initially it was with friends um, yep. just for that length of time. But then as it, um, as I became... Um, you know, more involved in it, more obviously, um, I suppose you were addicted to it. It just became, yeah, a thing that it was um, becoming all-encompassing for me. And as, mm. as my years went on, worse and worse Yeah. as it went on. Yeah. But that's where, that's where sort of the grassroots of it began, just small, started off yeah. small steps. Yeah. Then it got a bit bigger, bet sizes, all those sort of things. Yeah. 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 Um, so did... Were you influenced by your friends to gamble, or did you try and influence your friends to gamble? I think it was mutually. Yeah, I think there was just the circle of friends that I would associate with was always a conversation around that centred around gambling. Yep. And so it would be either myself leading that, or I'd be led. I don't yep. think it was 
any one influence over the other until probably later on where yeah I found myself being probably more the influential part of that for sure yeah okay um <clears throat> so with did you choose your friends you mentioned that you gravitated towards people who, who mm. gambled but did you choose within your friends those who gambled more were you sort of drawn to people who gambled more was that a an attraction no, I, I don't think so I think is if they were if they had interest or they were in a conversation uh, yep. whether it be small or heavy gambling it didn't bother them to me it's just they were in the conversation yep so it didn't matter yeah you know that's yep. who I'd want to be talking to I'd want to be associating with people who actually had that interest right more so than people that didn't yeah yeah, yeah. and you know not passing well you know passing judgment on people who didn't gamble that was the, the clouded mindset that you know how can you not gamble yeah that's right know, stuff like that you know, it's, it's normal yeah it's normal that's right yeah. this is normal yeah. this is what yeah. life is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah. so changing jobs and things yes um did that increase? Did that, you know, earning more? Did that allow you to spend more in gambling? Yes, certainly. Yes, as my career progressed um, into, you know, to more of a um, position of strength financially. Yes, absolutely. It was a facilitator. Certainly, um, it was, you know, allowing yourself to have a greater earnings and, um, you know, having the ability to then increase the punting and the, the amount of time spent and the amount of money on wagering and yep. that's where. You know, again, for, for where my life has taken me, that's where, um, you know, that was the easy part. Yeah. Just had to work hard. Yeah. It was, my, it was my money. Yeah. I chose what to do with my money. Yeah. Right. Pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did your gambling exclude social activities? Did you not do things socially so that you'd have money to gamble? Like not go, not go to dinner because you'd wanted to punt? In, in the early days, probably not so much, um, and even probably even in the later stages as well, I'd always try and balance things as best I could. Um, yep. There would be times where I'd have to say, no, I can't do that yep. because of that because of the position I was in financially. Um, but most of the time, the social interaction was heavily orientated around gambling aspects, yep. racetracks and casinos and, and other things where that, that's where it would gravitate to. Right. So yes, there was a social life, but that's where, you know, again, where I was looking to go would be a place where I could find a way to, to gamble. To gamble. Yes. Okay, right. Yeah. So what about it affecting your relationships with people? Did gambling get in the way of having a close relationship with people? Um, no, well, depending on the people I was, you know, uh, gravitating towards. But yep. no, I think that if anything, it felt like at the time that, that this was – just normal. This was part of my life, and the people that I was associate and, and, and socialise with were all like-minded, and um, it didn't inhibit um, any you know, social activities that I didn't want to attend to. Or if I chose not to go to something, I'd just I'd choose not to go. But um, but generally, again, it's centred around that activity. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, and the okay. people involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so. During this period, did you have any sort of inkling? You, you keep mentioning it, this was just normal. Mm. Did you have any inkling that your gambling was different to other people? Um, did it feel different? No. No, it, it didn't feel different. Yeah. I, I assumed incorrectly <laughs> that yeah. I assumed that other people were just, just like me because yeah. that's all I associated with people with. Yeah. There, were some, there were some friends of mine who wouldn't be as heavy on the, the gambling side, but at the same time, there wasn't, wasn't, we weren't excluding or I wasn't excluding them from my life. It was just that my, my habits changed um, as, I, as I got older. Yeah, mm. Certainly just started to take more hold and, and more time was spent on gambling than, than other things. Um, yeah. Where 
you know, again, not realising that was the biggest yeah. thing for yeah. me. Just not no awareness at all. Yeah. Just normal. That's what I consider to be normal. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so we might take a quick break sure. there. Um, sure. We've got a song called Smoke and Fire, and this one's by a group called Handheld.
strong spirit, First Nations issues, families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. Uh, welcome back. This is a Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, uh, you can find us at your preferred podcast pl- platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. Uh, today I'm talking with Steve and we're talking about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um Steve, before the break, we were talking about sort of gambling, gambling with friends, gambling mm. being a normal part of life. Yes. Um, so do you want to tell us where your gambling took you? Right. Well, I suppose from the early days I mentioned earlier about um, you know, life in, in the teenage years, I guess, when it started to take off and not having you know, the ability to punt the way we do now, um, the journey, I suppose, led to that uh, piece where I was looking for, for more. And then the advent of, you know, iPhones and so forth and apps and, you know, online betting um, took me to that path, which was then, you know, I consider that to be the means to the end, I suppose, in regards to that, because the ease and the access of punting from that moment uh, became the bigger issue for me. Um, The punting journey that I was on, as I mentioned before, still considered to be normal, but I was, um, you know, starting to to really increase and uh you know becoming started to become more and more consuming in my mind yeah so did it become more of an individual thing yeah it did yeah for sure it it, over time well there was there was certainly um the social aspect still continued but in terms of individual thing yeah it was becoming you know um around the clock i was i was finding myself punting on anything <laughs> any time of day any time i had access or spare time that's mm. what my focus was my thoughts were always centered around that mm. um always wanting to find the next uh, avenue to go and go and place a bet or do something that involved gambling yeah for sure. so, so did any of the gambling apps offer you incentives and things oh yeah yeah. Of course. <laughs> Do you want to talk a bit about that? Those sort of incentives. That... Yeah, sure. Just just the way that um, you know, when you would deposit money into the account, they'd give you free bets or you know uh, incentives just to keep depositing. And then um, when you didn't punt for you know a week or two, they'd send you emails, text messages. They would send you or anything they could to get you back into depositing into those accounts um, because they recognised that you had been less active or they think that you've switched to a different account but didn't preclude us because the the advent of the, the free bets or the, the things that they try and keep you on the hook with with it means you just flip accounts close one account open another done with that one close another one open another one and just keep getting this this opportunity to have free bets which end of the day you just again you just never got anywhere because you ne- yeah. would never you'd never win yeah. and you just found yourself in a vicious cycle and that's what i found myself in yeah yeah, I've heard other people talk about um, being offered very large amounts of money mm. and then gambling all of that and then about the same amount of their own. Correct. Is that your experience? Yeah, or? correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, because once you've gone through that that offer, then you you know, well, that's done. Yeah. How am I going to get how am I going to get it going again? So you go to the yeah. next account who offered something very similar. I don't even get phone calls from the from the betting agencies ringing you up and saying, "Hey, how are you? We've got this special for you." I'm like, "Mate, Really? Yeah. But I'll take the call. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> made you feel, you know, number one. Yeah, of course I did. There's a yeah. reason for it. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did it start affecting your work? It did. Yeah, it did. How, uh, certainly. How was that? Well, in, in the professional industry that I'm in, I'm on the computer a lot. Yeah. And so the opportunity to, you know, multitask, if you like, <laughs> working while gambling was there. And that was that was becoming a feature of my, my daily routine. But again, keeping it very much to myself. Yes. And ensuring that whatever I was doing was, yeah, very much kept um, you know, in my eyes only, so to speak. But it was uh, taking away time that I could be better spent, yeah. obviously, with, with uh, work at hand, yeah. Yeah. So that deception at work, did that carry into other aspects of your life? Did you need to keep your gambling secret from other people? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Outside my closest friends, um, who knew probably to the extent, because I'd always be bragging or talking about it, that's what we did. Yeah. Um, 100%. I did not want to share with anyone to the extent of what I was what I was doing. Because I felt that it was none of their business, and again, back to you know, my life, my money, my earnings. I can choose how I wish to spend that, and whether that was um, certainly something you wouldn't have spoken about previously in that in that period of time, because it was again, it was probably a guilt thing that you just didn't want to share with anyone your your true extent of what you're up to. Yeah. And I certainly was one of those people. I did not want to share that with anybody, yeah. other than the close people who accepted what I was doing as being part of the the club, yeah. the boys' club, yeah. if you like. Yeah. So did it get in? Did it get between you and your any sort of romantic relationships you were trying to form? Um, luckily, no. Yeah. No, luckily, um, you know, um, been with my partner for for a very long time, and um, you know, we can talk about the relationship there as um, having its moments. Yes, there were certainly um, you know rocky road moments, if you like, because at the end of the day. Um, I had to still conceal and hide and uh, ensure that family life was kept on track, if you like. And that was the, the art of deception, mm. the, the art of being a compulsive gambler, where you find ways to make sure that you keep a balance. And whatever that balance is in your head is acceptable. Yeah. And that's what was for me. So the person that you met that who became your wife, was she concerned about any aspect of your gambling at the start? No, no, not at the start. No, it mm. was again. It was considered. I, I believe it was considered in her eyes as, as who this guy is. No, that's who okay. he is. That's who yep. I've met. Yep. I'm accepting of that. And um, you know, coming along for the ride, if you like, um, was was again just a you know again we're always a conversation away, but there was never any um, aspect around. Hey, listen, what's going on? Mm. And, you know, are you going too hard with this? Because that's the lifestyle we or I'd created. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, did it impact any other aspect of your life? Um, in terms of, um, I guess, family, children, work. Well, yeah. Look, certainly when we had our first son, um, my wife and I impacted greatly because up until um, getting to GA, uh, my young son basically thought I was invisible. I wasn't present. Yeah. I was there in physical <laughs> terms but in terms of him wanting my attention certainly i was uh i was shouldering that and you know when it's one of my regrets that 
it got to that point where my son, you know, just did not want to, and he's, and he's a young boy, did not mm. want to talk to me, didn't want to associate with me because he knew he was going to get nothing back mm. because I was just so engaged in in gambling and, and work and other things. Yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about how you treated your son? Well, there was there was just times where my son would be looking for my attention. You know, young, 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 mm. one and a half, one, one and a half, yeah. even at that age. Yeah. And here yeah. I was with the phone in, in my face and he'd be saying to me, you know, I actually got pulled up by my mother-in-law. She, she'd come and whack me over the back of the head and said, your son's asked for your attention seven times. You've ignored him seven times. Dad, 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 dad. And, and I'd, oh, sorry, yep, yep, just one second. Hang on, no, no, hang on, give me another second. And by the time that, the moment's well gone. truly gone. <laughs> just, you know. And so coming home from, from work, I'd expect, you know, well, come, you know, give us a hug and come through the door, but got donuts. And, and that's... That was something I just I was just going oh okay and again I shrugged it I was going oh that's life that's life yeah just absolutely the wrong way of thinking about it yeah you know so that was hard yeah. Yeah. but again realization I just did not realize I just mm. I knew it was there but I just didn't act or do anything about it mm. yeah. so what what was your life like then because being being an active gambler. Yeah. You've got to keep your life. You've got to have two lives. One you show everybody else, yep. and and one only you know about. So how do you keep that petition wall up so that you know who you've lied, told what to, yes. and who you haven't? How does that how does that work? It's um, oh, it's it's a challenge. It's really it's really hard. Um, but I found ways to do that. I think I would just, I'd always make up excuses. For yep. why we couldn't do certain things and then i'd say well that'll happen just give another week or two you know uh, don't worry about that i would take care of finances for the home because i felt that i was the primary breadwinner therefore that was my responsibility but that also gave me the opportunity to to do what i did and that was to juggle juggle things ask you know borrowing from people closest friends and pay back and the amount of things that you had to remember was quite staggering. And that's why I keep thinking, I reflect now and think to myself, how the hell did I even manage to keep that all in my head? Yeah. And what I perceive to be successfully doing it yeah. and, and keeping that facade up and, yeah, basically, you know, big steal or borrow to make sure that I could you know, support my gambling habit without disrupting the immediate life around me with, you know, with my yeah. family and so forth. So it was, my head was full. Yeah. stuff yeah. just constantly so what sort of things did you say to your friends to get money oh we just have we just have an understanding because when they were in a hole i'd be there and then the vice versa yeah it was as simple as that and they were and then you know and, and that's that's how we sort of treated it but then there was times when you know you, you couldn't find money so what do you do and i, I think i talk about the journey I, I, i'm thankful that i never you know stole anything or or sold anything to fund my gambling i just found ways of doing it but that was again mainly through borrowing and having yeah. to understand yeah. how you know timelines of when to pay things back and, and do all that but that's the cycle you're never getting forward in life you're never going backwards as such you're just treading water treading water yeah, mm. yeah. so how many credit cards did you end up with probably three three yeah yeah yeah, I can think of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the revolving cycle, yeah. Yeah. So when did gambling – when did you get concerned about your gambling? Well, I, that's the thing. I was never concerned about yeah. my gambling. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to talk about the moment in time, I guess it's probably an appropriate moment now to talk about that. Mm. Um, discussion with my, with my wife and about – 
you know, furthering our, our prospects into the future. Now we've got a young son and you know, the house and cars and all that, all that stuff that you just sort of take for granted as being normal. Um, came to a time where, you know, um, what's going on? I was asked the question by my wife, like you asked me before about our journey up until this more recent time, what's happening? And I came home one evening and had to expose or show to my, to my wife everything that I've been up to. So I laid it bare. There it is. All the accounts, all the credit card statements, all the gambling accounts, everything. So what was her reaction? Horror. Dismay. Um, trust broken. Completely couldn't, like, the look on her face. I, I, I don't think I could ever forget the look on her face of absolute dismay that I've been behaving in this fashion for so long. Mm. And here it is, confronted, right in front of her. And at the same time, I think we were talking off here, at the same time, this really strange feeling of here I am, now exposed, now probably naked. Couldn't get more naked than this. This is what I've been mm-hmm. hiding for 20-odd years, you know, 25 yeah. years of gambling. This is, this is it. This is the moment. And suddenly, I don't know how to describe it, but a huge weight had just been lifted off my shoulders huge weight of, of guilt and deceit and mm. anger and stress anxiety just left i don't know how i don't know how else to describe it but it did in amongst sitting there with my wife <laughs> contemplating whether <laughs> what's the next step here yeah and so did she dictate the next steps she certainly did yeah what'd she say she said this is the fork in the road moment yeah yeah right um, so make a decision. Um, which path do you choose? Do you choose me and, and your son and family, or do you choose to continue doing what you're doing? And on your, on your you, own, yeah. yeah. I'm going to leave you here for a couple of days to think about it. Mm. So what was that like? Oh, it was, uh, I was numb. I think I was, I was numb. I was, as I said, with this, this feeling that I was having, it was all just world crashing down. Um, term in rock bottom i think it's used a lot what people's rock bottom is is their own personal experience i think in my life this is probably the moment this was my absolute rock bottom um just not knowing what to do next for me for for a person that has a lot of relative control yeah control is completely gone there is no control now yeah it's spiraling away so what do i do i had time now to to think about that Mm. and i think as i mentioned before you know i'm not you know, I'm not an idiot, but I'm not stupid. And I chose the right path. Mm. Luckily for me, that I chose mm. the right path. Yeah. Um, made that decision. Yeah. So what was it like to be in isolation, basically, from your loved ones? Yeah, horrible. No silence in the house. Silence. No noise. No, 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 no sounds. Just you and your mind. Yeah. And no, th- no escape to gambling. No yeah. escape to gambling. Yeah. That, and that would have been, you know. That could have been that moment where, oh, I'm done here. That's it. I'm going to do whatever I like. But that's that's the that's the fork in the road moment. I mm. had to make a decision. So I actually did jump on the phone and jumped onto the GA online just to just to see what is this all about and started mm. filling out a you know little questionnaire thing and getting a you know getting that out there, um, and then having someone respond back and I started having a chat. And this was on probably day two. Um, but again, just in just in total shock still about where my life was about to go, mm. not knowing, just the yeah. uncertainty of not knowing. Yeah. 
and not getting you know, not getting a, you know, a reply back or a message from your wife and that's that's credit to her yeah. she knew yeah <laughs> She knew how she, to do it. She knew how to do it, exactly. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> okay. Well, so we might take another short break sure. there. Um, we've got another song by Handheld again. Uh, this one's called I'm Unable. to Rock and Roots, 2am till 6, every Sunday morning on 8.55am. Melbourne's Community Radio, 3CR. Maybe in the colour, get my rock and choose, I'm gonna rock away all my blues, we're rock. We're rockin', we're rockin', rockin' this joint and I. See what it's all about Gonna rock and roll Gonna jump and chow We're rockin' We're 
You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. This is The Living Free Show on 3CR Digital, live streaming on 3cr.org.au. And today we're talking with Steve about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Steve, we got to the fork in the road. Mm, uh, yes. <laughs> hit, hit the rock bottom. And yeah. so now you're having to address um, mm. gambling and find a way out. Yes. So can you tell us about your early interactions with GA and how that helped? <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> um Certainly, yeah. Look, um, following a couple of days, um, it's family gathering, and um, there was a family uh, member there who experienced similar issues. <coughs> Excuse me. And I instantly made a V-line for this person to have a chat, mm. knowing they'd been in recovery and doing so well, Yeah, which was really good. And um, this person said to me, there's only one thing you can do, Steve. You need to get to GA. It's as simple as that. And uh, I took that advice, um, thankfully, and went to my first GA meeting the following week. Mm. And arriving at GA for the first time, I just was shaking my head still, disbelief that I'm here. I don't need to be here. What am I doing here? Yeah. This is this is crazy. I don't, you know, I've lived a normal life. What's normal? So I sat at my first GA meeting, uh, felt very embarrassed, um, very over, overwhelmed, and did not say a word for the whole hour. I just sat there and listened for the whole first hour of that uh, first... So this is pre-COVID, so you got to a face-to-face yes, meeting, which is good. Yes, yeah. yeah, pre-COVID, that's yeah. right. That's exactly right, yeah. Yep, yeah. so got to the first meeting and, and just listened. Yeah. yeah. Still it's, in denial. Yeah. But, so what did you learn from the first meeting? Oh, listening to other shares, other people, um, and listening to their stories. It was um, It was incredible. It had a profound effect on me from that first meeting because um, I felt like, okay, I was still in denial about this issue that I've got. I still hadn't admitted to myself that I've got a problem, but then I'm listening to people who have um, experienced uh, long recoveries and people who are there for the first time as well. And I thought to myself, well, again, with a fork in the road moment presented to me, this is the pathway that I have to choose if I want to save myself and my family. There's little choices here. My, my choices are limited. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't have any choices. Yeah, I, I've, right. I've got no choices. Yeah. Whether I wanted to be or not, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, but being a person that likes to, you know, when I start something, I like to uh, <laughs> to go through with it. And I wanted to see what could possibly happen from this beginning of this journey. So I went back the next week. Yeah. So when did you start thinking that you needed it? Um, when I started realising that, Everything that I'd done for the last, you know, for my for my gambling life, um, effectively was meaningless because the, the what what started to dawn upon me was what's most important. And having been confronted the way I was, you know, a couple of weeks earlier, um, certainly 
opened my eyes after I started to realise that this there is a, there is a better normal. And surrounding yourself with people who are like you, who are compulsive gamblers, who understand your mentality, your mindset, the stories are eerily similar across all the stories that you listen to, maybe just different differences mm. because everyone's different. Yeah. But at the bottom line is the compulsion and, and, and the and the, the urges to gamble are what um, is something you need to address. You need to understand that this, this is an issue. And so for me, yeah, after the, the first few meetings, it started to, to dawn upon me that I've got a serious problem. And then I started to recognise that. Mm. So how easy was it for you to stop gambling? Um. Oh, without this is without a word of a lie, it was is easy. Mm. Um, I just stopped. Yeah. Unlike in previous attempts where I thought, oh, I should give a break and just just stop for a while, it would always come back in some form. But with my and this is just this is my story that you know with my ultimatum given to me, my choices again were were so limited that I I, I just I can't I just I just could not go back to it. I know what the consequences would have been if yeah. I did. Yeah. So with that mindset. I applied myself. I said, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to the meetings. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things um, at meetings is the realisation that you didn't really understand the problem before. Yes. And therefore you could be irresponsible. And once you understand the problem and the impact the problem has on other people, yes. you can no longer be irresponsible. So how did that mindset change for you to, from being it's not my problem to it's my problem. Yeah, well, it's like it, it felt like the problem that I'd, I'd had and the things that you know led to that fork in the road moment where I dealt with all those problems myself. I handled everything. I was the, you know, big guy. I'm in <laughs> control. Yeah. Under control. Don't yeah. worry about it. I was, you know, again, the master at making things appear on the surface to be all well. And then realising that things weren't well under the surface in my own mind by listening to, to the, you know, again, other shares and getting to know people in the fellowship and and, and, and realising that there is a there is better out there. There is better for yourself, firstly, and then you can work on the people that you love the most around you. Mm. Um, that's what I was starting to realise. And, yeah. um, you know, even in, in my birthday was sort of coming up about a month after this all happened. And... Uh, my wife gave me, uh, she gave me a letter on my birthday and I mean, no gifts or anything. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting anything. Yeah. But it was a letter that I now cherish as my most prized possession that I own. It's a letter of forgiveness, a letter of anger, a letter of everything you could possibly throw into a letter. But the bottom line is it has you know, forgiveness in there but not forgetting. Yeah. And that was my, that's the gift she gave me. Mm. And that's that's my driver. That's that's why my mindset has turned into the the mindset I've got now, 100%. Mm. Yeah. So was it easy in the first year or so? Um, oh no. <laughs> what, what was what was family life like? Um, look, it wasn't easy. Um, I knew that going to GH each week was was a must. I had to be there each week, and so again, mm. family time was taken away. But um, my wife. Yeah, she 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 was angry, I mean, and she had every right to be. She was, you know, she bitterness was there. Well, I was caught, you know, throwing daggers, things like that, and things that you you have to deal with because, again, with the choices being what they were, I had to understand that that this is something I've got to work through with her step by step, mm. day by day, mm. and be 
be better. And you know, there's there's a there's a thing that you gave me which I still keep in my heart now. It's about being better, particularly being present. Yeah. But always, you know, being positive as mm-hmm. well. And those three, three, three you know, sayings for me just stick with me, and I'm always going to keep that to my heart because if I do those things, it aligns with her thinking. Yes. And with mine and my journey. Yeah, your shared a shared agreement. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like the, yeah, the unwritten contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I guess uh, you know, people close to alcoholics or addicts or gamblers. Um, feel betrayed and they feel a sort of a lack of trust. So how long did it take to build, rebuild that trust? Yeah, I, I think through my actions by attending meetings and clearly not gambling. Yeah. Yeah, clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> not um, talking about it, you know, focusing on other more important things, which is my family. Yeah. Behavioural changes, you know, um, being present there if my son wanted to go and play basketball. Off I go. And I wanted to. You know, and doing the things that you want to do that you know that are normal, normal activities, but wanting to do these things, that started to change. But then, you know, trust has taken a long time. Um, my, you know, I've been on my journey now. It's coming to nearly four years since I've had mm. a, a bet. Yeah. But I know that I'm a compulsive gambler until I'm, you know, long on the ground. But I'm going to do something about it to make sure that, um, you know, again, the, the, the new life that I'm, I'm leading now is just so much better. There's yep. just every aspect of my life is better because mm. I don't punt. And mm. the trust is now, yeah, I think there's trust again. It mm. took a long time, probably yep. a couple of years into the journey, I would say, at least, to get some what, what I consider to be a form of trust back. Yeah. But I think it just gets it just gets better and better mm. the longer that you, you know, lead by actions rather than just words. Yeah. Yeah. So the other one that I always like to talk about is your relationship with your parent. So mm-hmm. what did your mum think when she found out you were a gambler? Well, initially, she was also probably equally as, as, as shocked when I sort of told her about what I was doing. But also, being my mum and being you know, being a son, of course, she went into a bit of yeah. defence mode about, yeah. you know, oh, hang on, you know, how, how is this possible? You know, you, you live a great life. You know, everything's, everything's good, you know. I don't understand. And that's when... The, the serious discussions had to come around. But I mm. think because of the way she views me and the way I've lived my life, it, again, with my ability to, to make things seem on the, on the, on the surface all, all good, wonderful yeah. and good, mm. she, was, she, couldn't, she probably still can't believe that it got to that sort of point. Yeah. But then, as I said, with, um, with, with that journey and, and, and explaining to her where I needed to be and, coming and admitting to her that, you know, yeah. again, borrow it off your mum. You know, I had this is why. Yep. And then the penny started to drop a bit more. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah, right. Gotcha. All right, now I get, okay, now I'm, yeah. So that's mm. that's it. But that's just being honest for the first time. Yep. Yeah. So the other thing is is work. So how did work change once you stopped gambling? Oh, incredible. Amazing. Um, my head was clear. <laughs> yeah. My head was clear. Um, work's gone from strength to strength. Um, because I've got my energy and focus into what's important, yeah. and that's the growth of a business and, um, and 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 my love for my work. I'm, I'm quite I'm quite blessed again that I really love what I do, and um, that comes through in results and, and things that we're looking forward to to grow and the people particularly. Mm. Um, even sharing my journey with the, my closest partners and work people that I, that I mm. align with every day, 
and the understanding that they've got. Um, again, that wouldn't have been something if you said five years ago, hey, listen, tell this yeah. story. You know, yeah. you're, just, you're just not going to do it. No. But um, the respect is greater, I think, mm. and um, people understand that this is you know, critically important to your life, and so they, they respect mm. that and they, they, they actually celebrate it, which is great. Yeah, that's that's Which is lo- really good. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's lovely, yeah, it is uh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, so what about being in GA and being able to help people who came in like you? What's that feeling like? Look, it's it's a really good feeling because when you're so self-absorbed in your own world, out you know, again, closest mates and you've you obviously your partner, your wife, and your family, mm. you, you compensate for that by saying no, 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 they're, they're equally as important. Equally as important, they should be the most important thing. Mm. But when I first shared my story with with some close friends and some people outside that, um, yeah, I was, I was given you know, people were ringing me saying, oh, I know someone, can you help them? Sort of thing. I said, well, of course. I'm absolutely open to that discussion with anybody mm. that, that needs help. Mm. And, you know, again, something that um, that I truly believe that I can do that. I can sit with someone and say, oh, I'm experiencing this. It's not just a, it's not a stop-start journey. There's no, there's no, there's no stop. It mm. is just a journey that's going to continue. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm now open to, to talking to anybody who wants to listen. But, again, you don't press upon, you know, your beliefs. You say, well, if you need help, I yeah. am here. Yeah. And Call me, that's yeah. part of the journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good learnings from the uh, from the group. Yeah, <laughs> it is, isn't it? That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, if anybody out there would like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, you, know, you can find them in Victoria on 03-9696-6108 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au for more information on recovery from compulsive gambling. So that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Steve for sharing his gambling recovery story with us and talking about how Gamblers Anonymous has helped him. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Really good. No thank worries. You. Uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll feature Claude. Uh, Claude's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and we'll be talking about the impact of alcoholism on their life. Um, coming up next, we've got Balanoir, the Spirit of Wire, hosted by Uncle Togium Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco in the spirit of Wah on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening today. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.